1: Welcome to episode number 83 of the Church Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Whether you're joining us listening or if you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate you joining in. And if you're new to our show, welcome aboard. And uh, we would love to have you as a subscriber so you don't miss a single episode. So make sure you go over and subscribe. And you can always rate our podcast by going over to ratethispodcast.com slash CLP. That helps us to fulfill our mission, which is to encourage and equip you
0: to lead in the local church. Now, here's today's conversation. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Church Leadership Podcast. We have a special guest with us this week. We have Scott Sullivan. Uh, Scott is joining us today, and he is the discipleship catalyst at the Georgia Baptist uh, mission Board. And we are so excited to have Scott with us uh, on the on the podcast this week. Scott, thank you for joining us.
2: You bet, Mark. Andy, it's good to be with you. Fired up this morning to discuss and also learn. I love what you guys are doing. I've listened to some of your podcasts, and I benefit from those. So thank you for what you're doing to encourage church, but also leaders.
1: Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And, and uh, we're glad to have you on. And I feel like, you know, we talked with you once before, I think, uh, but we feel like we're kindred spirits because we share a passion to make disciples. And uh, that was apparent from minute one that we interacted with you. And And so we want to talk a little bit about that. Share a little bit about maybe why you're so passionate, um, why this has become kind of your life's passion to make disciples and, and how you see God leading in that.
2: Yeah, I tell you, it has a lot to do with experience. So I grew up typical small Baptist church, really been in the small, like a hundred and less, all the way until I got into adulthood and started serving. Um, And and my experience was people coming, they were engaging, the pastor did all the work. Um, There wasn't a lot of life change. They would tell us not to smoke, but then the deacon smoked on the front porch. They would (laughs) tell us not to have sex with people outside of marriage. But a lot of the people I knew that were leading in the church, you know, were doing those things. And I was just, I mean, there was so much confusing message. And I came from like the Beaver Cleaver family, you know, which may not make any sense for people if you're under 40, I guess. But Google it, uh, Google Beaver. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, don't Google that. So um, yeah, man, it. it was just the idea for for me was something's not right. Something's not working. So when God called me to ministry, I surrendered that call going into my senior year of high school and um and and one of the things that I wanted to do was be able to lead well in a church but leave it better than I found it and and I felt early on that if I did church life and leadership the way it was that I experienced it early on that I wasn't going to be able to do that so I have spent a lot of my adult years just trying to figure out what works what what's can we do to help the church get healthy so um I was never really discipled by anybody, had a great youth pastor who loved me well. And that was beginning pieces of that, but really getting through seminary, watching other churches doing that, and then implementing a strategy at First Baptist in Houghton, Louisiana, that worked and was able to speak on that and train other people on how to develop it. Um, that just really stuck in my spirit. And so, man, this is something, if I could do this with the leaders the rest of my life, this would be something I'd be willing to give every ounce of my energy for and to raise my kids to understand and and to sense that as well.
0: Yeah, you are, like Mark said, a kindred spirit. You're speaking our language. You're part of our tribe, and and that's fantastic. We're excited not only what God's doing in in Georgia, but what God's doing here in Alabama. It seems like there is uh, a, a welcomed movement of disciple making among churches, especially in the Southern Baptist Convention, but among other denominations as well. Uh, what are some of the things that you're seeing based on your kind of affinity for disciple making? But, you know, when you drive a red car, when you're on the road, you begin to see red cars everywhere. So what kind of things are you seeing right now in, in the trends of disciple making in churches? But especially right now, since we are in a season of difficult ministry, we're trying to look back and evaluate. And a lot of churches are in a position to really... Uh, hone down what they need to do, maybe get rid of some things, maybe implement some new things. What are you seeing right now in how disciple making is helping churches, especially in in your context uh, to to deal with what we 're dealing with in, in in covid ministry
2: yeah, no doubt, and there are several trends that I would say uh, one of those I would say that the the church who 's put all of their eggs in the basket of Large group corporate worship is our number one thing, Um, and hear me saying clearly, I don't ever want to get away from that. So, I'm not the guy that says we ought to go to a only small group, I'm not mad at those people, but I'm also not the guy who advocates for that. I think what the pastor does in the pulpit um, with doctrinal instruction, a gathering momentum, I think it's important and it's critical. But the church who relied solely on that and created almost an attractional feel that's been exposed during yep. COVID. And they hit that wall of saying, Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? So the smaller group, and what I would say uh, Mark Andy is that I would just give one, one single word that sums up what I believe about that. And it would be balance. I think mm-hmm. we've got to have the large group in instruction and investment, but I think that small group, Um, is critical as well. So here's a trend coming out of it I'm seeing in Georgia. And I also began to see that in uh, Louisiana before I left. These, um, what people call a D group a discipleship group, um, that closed group of three or four men, three or four women that are memorizing scripture. You know, they're not doing a devotion with one verse and two paragraphs of me talking and then reciting the prayer at the bottom. As good as that can be, if you've never done anything, um, but really getting into the meat of it. For example, I've got two pastors and a guy here at the building that we meet uh, on Tuesdays for lunch. And we're trying to memorize at this point, um, the uh, fourth chapter of uh, Philippians. And um, and I've, I've like my wife, I've, I memorize verses, my wife memorizes passages and chapters. right? <laughs> that's, that's kind of been where we were. So that's a pretty good chore for me. I'm like, dude, I'm in, like, you know, I'm not gonna be the schmuck that shows up and didn't memorize this verse. But I can tell you, If I weren't with those guys, I wouldn't be memorizing the whole chapter. I just wouldn't. I need the accountability. And what I'm seeing across Georgia is that is really sticking with folks because Mm -hmm. those intimate relationships during this time when we're not connected very well are creating the connection points that are desperately needed
1: absolutely that's that's well said and and we can concur we're seeing those same things and and you know in churches um with with people who are passionate about making disciples pastors who are but we're seeing it along the lines of pastoral leadership too we you know we've seen pastors lead other pastors in in d groups or huddles or whatever you want to call them and, and that's it's kind of spreading that wildfire. Wildfire. Yeah. I said wildfire like yeah. I'm in Alabama. Yeah, but uh, hey, you can yeah, you can live in South Georgia. You fit right. In. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Well, let me ask this because you have been, you you were a pastor previously. You've been in your current role for a year now. You Just celebrated a year. Congratulations! But right. you were a pastor before that. So you've seen as a pastor and now as a as a leader in a state level position. You've seen some successful. Approaches and we just talked about some of that but you've seen some unsuccessful approaches too we talked a little bit about that but maybe maybe share with us uh, on, on a deeper level um, some of the things you've seen um, churches and pastors and leaders do well and then maybe some of the things we're chasing that that we probably need to to redirect
2: Yeah so a couple of the things that, that I'm seeing in churches that are doing this whole thing well. Um, they're strategic. So there's an intentional purpose behind what they're doing. That is growing. And that is such a welcome sight. So it's not just that they're showing up. Um, I I give you like an offshoot example of that. This online service that everybody has, if you weren't there, you are now, or you're going to shrivel up and die. Yeah. (laughs) Living in this world any longer, not having an online presence. But um, being intentional about that there are a growing number of churches who are raising up people because not everybody can go hire an online campus minister to manage that monster. So they're raising up their people who love being online and doing it anyway to engage and not just say, Hey man, leave a comment. We want to give you a free coffee mug. If you leave a comment, right. But they're, they're trying to figure out how to get them from a comment section in that online presence to uh, maybe a private meeting, with the pastor on a Sunday afternoon at four o'clock or with a group in a small group. And man, that is, that's incredible. So those intentional pieces like that really are working. Um, Other parts that I would say to you are things that are measurable. um, And, and I would even say memorable. So like, let's say at your church, you have, I know that you guys have a disciple making strategy because I've I've followed you and I've, I've heard you talk about that. Well, if our, if we, if we, that out there and our people don't know what it is and they can't remember that it's not memorable it's not going to do them any good so um, that is something that i'm seeing in churches around here that they're trying to get it to where their people it just it can roll off their tongue and they can speak it rather than just really complicated thing that you've got to have a phd to understand Um, and then um, another piece that i'm i'm really proud to see is accountability Mm. Um, there there's churches that are growing that are adding pieces of accountability Of uh, Even in teaching lessons where um, in these small groups, even if they're virtual, they're teaching a lesson and they say, hey, guys, um, give me one thing that stood out to you that maybe you could work on this week. And then Billy says, you know what? I really ought to be nicer to my wife, right? When he comes back next week and then he's, hey, Billy, man, you mentioned last week about being nicer to Sue Ann. So, hey, how's that going, man? Well, just the accountability of that is really, really strong. Um, now, another part that I'm seeing would be, um, I'd call it reproducible, that a lot of people are, have had what they call a strategy, but it wasn't reproducible. So their strategy, I mean, let me be careful because I don't want to slam any piece of what we're doing. Um, so let me just, because I think people, most people know that I, that I love small group and I love Sunday school. So let me use that as an example. Let's say people put their eggs in the basket of our disciple making strategy is Sunday school. Okay, And coming out of that, um, they they weren't starting any groups. Let's say Mark comes into a class at 30 years old and he's in there with his wife for 30 years. Well, they're now 60, 65 years old and they're still in the young couples class with the same name, with the same teachers and the same people in the group because they didn't didn't reproduce. They didn't launch anybody anywhere. And um, and that's not reproducible. So that might make you feel better. It might even help you in your marriage and your kids because you have some tight-knit group. And I think that's important. But it, we're not going to reach the world that way. And then the last thing I would say was um, is just transformational. Um, the things that we're doing have to make a difference. There's got to be some type of life change that's happening, which I think is a great question for any of us who are disciple makers or teachers or even pastors to look at the people that we're investing in. Is is it working anybody's life? changes. So those are some things that I thought I'd just mentioned that I'm seeing that are working here in Georgia. Um, the things that I will tell you that aren't, um, and there's a financial aspect of this, and this is really interesting to me, churches who are sitting back and saying, you know what, we're going to, we're going to re-engage once this thing is over. They're not doing anything. Um, they are dying on the vine and the reports that I'm getting, Andy, this is crazy. The reports I'm getting are the churches who are actually trying to get out there and do something with the school who is struggling or they're sending, personally taking meals to the hospital, you know, to those workers there, their budgets are doing well or maybe even above. And I've talked to personally people who are giving to other churches because they're doing ministry in their particular churches, sitting back, not doing anything. That just blows my mind. Yeah, But I think it's really cool that uh,
1: we concur we've seen Absolutely. it um, yeah we're
0: experiencing the same
1: thing yeah, yeah we were seeing it i want to mention a couple things off on what you talked about um we've mentioned this before but church online platform or online church platform it's by um live church live church yeah. put out U version all that that's a great tool by the way um for those of you who are looking for a way to make it more relational like scott was talking about
0: and it's free
1: and it's free that's yeah. right you don't pay yeah. a dime but there's a bowls, chat bowls. feature and it, and it really, it drives engagement. It drives engagement, yeah. which is exactly what we want. Like you said, to follow up, have more, more relationship accountability. And, you know, we, we, talk about this all the time, language creates culture. And I think you, you mentioned that basically, um, you know, we need to be using words that are repeatable, reproducible that people can catch on. Cause we could have the best strategy in the world, but if it's, if it's communicated in a way that people don't get it, it's useless. So yeah, we, we agree, man. Those are, those are good words.
0: And your convention is doing exactly what you're talking about there in Georgia. You guys are recognizing technology as a great vehicle, as a great tool to continue equipping uh, church leaders. You guys just finished up a fantastic online conference spark uh, had a lot of engagement and, it was just very, very encouraging. I got to kind of pop in and out on some of that and listen to some of those main sessions and see some of the breakouts. It was great. Yeah. And uh, one of the guys on your team, Dallas White, you were sharing with us a great story uh, for, for everybody who's listening. I'd love for you to share us a little bit about uh, Dallas's story. And, yeah. and, and not only do, do Mark and I have a heart for disciple making, but we, we believe the greatest way to revitalize a church is through disciple making. So we're proponents of uh, revitalization as well.
2: Yeah, so Dallas uh, grew up First Baptist Woodstock with Johnny Hunt, uh, was his actually, his right hand guy for about two to three years, and when you're that guy, then you, you got, you do everything from branding, to disciple making, to men's ministry, to whatever, right, so he, which, and this is interesting to me, because Johnny is known as this incredible, um, Evangelizer. I mean, he wants to see people come to know the Lord. But the really cool part about him is his heart is not just to see them come to know Jesus. He wants them in a relationship, in a local church, moving towards Christian maturity. Well, Dallas picked that up. And after coming out of that, man, just, I mean, you can imagine having that kind of pedigree and knowing, um, and, and Johnny does things at a level unlike most anybody I've ever met and Dallas has picked up that work ethic. So he could go anywhere he wants to do anything he wants. So, but he went to a little church, um, somewhat of a country church on the edge of an, of Atlanta way out there and man, dying on the vine, hadn't baptized in anybody in a long time. Budget was down. Things weren't going well. And now they're, and I guess this is about the three year mark in their, you know, running three times as much their, their budget has more than doubled if not tripled their, in a a campaign where they've just remodeled the entire campus. And there is a vibrancy in that church that they've never known before. But if he hadn't had a vision to help people connect with the Lord with his word and then have accountable relationships where they're moving toward spiritual maturity and then have somebody that will just push them. you know, And sometimes as, as leaders, that's what we do. We gotta say some hard things and we gotta give them a vision that's big enough to give their life to. And that's what's happened there. It's called the Grove Church in Ackworth, Georgia.
1: Grove Church. That's cool. I have to look that one up. Well, I I look forward to learning more about that. And uh, we have to have Dallas on the podcast. Yeah, that sounds
0: like a future podcast episode right right there.
1: Thank you for sharing that. So I I want you to talk in the time we have left. um, Your team has developed something called the Watershed Principle, and you've developed a tool uh, based on this. So talk to us a little bit about um, what God has led you to do in developing this this criteria and really these principles for um, revitalization and and making disciples?
2: Yeah. So what it is um, when I got here, I had the erupt strategy. That's what I did in Houghton and some of the leaders, here was like, Hey, we want to implement this all over Georgia. And I was like, you know what? That's a specific disciple making strategy for a specific church that, that a church doesn't need to adopt that. Like for me, the best thing I could do is give them maybe some tools and the groundwork to develop their own, because they got to own it, it's got to be theirs and their people have to do that. So that's what we're really trying to do, which why I attached to you guys so early on was, I want to help people develop a customized disciple making strategy, not, you know, rubber stamped one. So there's several words, basically that um, uh, six words that that we emphasize that are part of this watershed. So here's what a watershed is, it's a ridge of land that separates water and creates multiple streams. So I was up in North Georgia and uh, I've been praying through, you know, since I knew I was coming, which, so I've been praying through probably four months. God, what would you like to do? What would a piece that we could help people understand something that would branch into an opportunity to help them come up with us customized. So I was up there and the top of it and there's this giant waterfall and I was standing, I could feel the power just beating on me, you know, and I was like, I could feel the spray and the impact of it. And I read this placard that talked about the watershed that feeds the, waterfall and it said you don't get a waterfall unless you have a healthy watershed mm. and I was just like oh my goodness so I'm, my family's just I mean I'm wearing them out right they're ready to go I'm sitting there right <laughs> I'm jotting down notes I was like you don't understand what's happening just hang on I'll get a taxi was like know? a watershed moment <laughs> yeah it right. was it yeah. was it absolutely was so man I just started writing stuff down so that's how it developed so basically that, I'll give you the elevator pitch Six words. One is balance. It's it's going from show to grow. And because um, the point of discipleship is not just connection, it's Christian maturity, it's Christ-likeness. And and the connection is important, but we've failed so many times to stop. So we want to get our people instead of just that large group assembly where you're there for a show and you and you do all you can there. But there's a, an emphasis on grow, and you're using this uh, this balanced approach, where you're emphasizing the large group, the small group, what I would even say the smaller group, the um, the Peter James and John, um, to to really galvanize those relationships and moving forward. The second word would be reach, and that's moving from spectating to uh, reaching, and that's the the idea that most of our people aren't engaged in reaching anybody. Most people have never led anyone to the Lord and nothing creates excitement or um, creates momentum better than when our people start leading people to Jesus and they're reaching their community. When that happens, I mean, you, you can't stop the wave of coolness that begins to happen in in our churches. Uh, The third thing would be teach. And that's moving from just um, trying to instill information to a focus on transformation Mm -hmm. where we're teaching and the goal of that is life change. So in the watershed principle, um, what you have are these streams that come down to create the waterfall. The waterfall moment is life change because mm-hmm. people, when they see life change and they see a difference in people, they want to know what happened. Cause I know what that did, that guy did in high school. I, I mean, wow. I used to party with him and, but he ain't the same way. What's going on, right? That's that, that visible, powerful display that people come for. And in um, the teaching part is you want to teach people in a way that they're tracking with the Lord and moving towards spiritual maturity. The fourth piece is serve. And this is, um, this can be a difficult part because people don't want to serve. They want to come and sit sour and soak. So it, and one of the things that's really important to me is I think that every church, I'm going to be, let me not be so broad. I think most churches without um, telling what, telling you what I really think, uh, <laughs> should have an introduction, a, a new member class, a some way for me to tell you who we are, what we believe, what we expect, because when, once they come to be a member of your church, they can vote, they can cause problems, they can teach. And I'm telling you, when I left Halton, we'd implemented that, I guess probably eight years ago. And we baptized seven of the last 12 years at our church, people who came through the connection class who thought they were a believer. But when, we, when I went through like the first session, the whole back half, I do nothing but just walk through the, simply the Roman road mm-hmm. and just walk through what it means to be a believer. It gave him an opportunity to be saved. We baptized seven out of 12 months of people who would be voting and teaching and leading in our church who would be a believer. Yeah. So anyway, long story there, but serving is important. And in that piece, I guess this is where I brought it up. I think we've got to help our people understand what their spiritual gift is. Like if they don't know what their spiritual gift is, that means they're probably not serving in your church using that spiritual gift. And if they're if they're using that spiritual gift, they're gonna be um, there's gonna be joy flowing, but they're gonna make people around them joyful. And if they're not, they're probably gonna be frustrated, and also the people we have to clean up behind. Um, the next word would be multiply, and uh, this is just really important. It's the idea of keeping to sending. Because in the churches I grew up, we want yeah. to raise up our people and we want to keep them. We want them to teach. We don't want them to go anywhere. And if you do, I'm angry and probably going to cut you off. I'm going to have a little passive aggressive. I'm not going to answer your phone call when you call next time. Instead of raising those folks up with the idea of sending them maybe across town, maybe across the ocean, I don't know, but sending them out and seeing ourselves as a missionary sending organization rather than just trying to keep them close. The last piece is lead and it's doing to equipping. And this is um, a struggle that I've seen in a lot of pastors because we like to, like I'm a lieutenant, I like to get things done. I, don't, I, I can't stand passivity. When I see male passivity, like you'll see me visibly just, just begin to have <laughs> a hard time. I just can't stand it. Well, most pastors um, tend to want to get things done. So they're doing things for rather than doing things with. And that has created a bunch of infantile believers in our churches who depend on the pastor. When the pastor leaves, oh, well, we're not going to do anything until we get a new pastor. How ridiculous is that? Like, show me one place in the scripture where the church should fail to accomplish her mission because that um, person, that leader in that church isn't present, right? I mean, they, they, they raised up leaders. Paul would leave and go do something else, and they continued to do ministry at a really big level. So that's the watershed. It's these these six streams that have to be vibrant that create that waterfall moment, that life change. And the end result for us is what we call world impacting disciple makers, mm. where we're looking across the street, but we're also looking across the, the world and we're living a changed life, but we want to reproduce that process. And be honest with you guys, I I think and I've said this before, maybe the biggest failure of the Southern Baptist Convention in my lifetime has been our inability to reproduce ourselves, mm. and if we don't figure out a way to get our churches healthy and help them understand, you've got to multiply and reproduce the gospel seed that was given to you. Not only are we not going to be able to exist as a denomination, but we're lost in the world. There is no hope.
1: That's right. Yeah, because it's beyond our denomination. That's the biggest. least the biggest failure of the church. Period. Is is yeah. failure to reproduce. So now you're coming out with a with a kind of a resource based on this, right? Tell us about that. Cause by the time this airs, that resource will probably be out.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's called the watershed principle and it's a book, but I, I purposely didn't write it in a paragraph written form. So what you'll see is topic, main points, um, key considerations with bullet points, and then key questions to ask for uh, introspection of my ministry and my church in my context. So it's a, it's a, it's a, they call it a book, but you're not going to read it like a book that's paragraph and, you know, all of that right. kind of stuff. So where, where can people get their hands on that when it does release? Um, it's free. So we're not going to, it's not for sale. It's just going to be for digital download. It'll be at gabaptist.org. Uh, they can get it. It'll be on our, um, actually, if you go to gabaptist forward slash discipleship, that's going to be um, where it will live. But you can get to it from there.
0: Well, Scott, we appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Normally what we do is we ask the specific questions. Is there something you would like to say to encourage people who are listening? But everything you've said the last 20 minutes has been a lot of encouragement. You've given us some practical helps at the end of our time today, a, a guided process and strategy to think through of how can our church kind of refine what we're doing better and be more intentional uh, you've talked about how we can be more accountable and you've even encouraged us with some personal stories or stories of, of, of your peers and coworkers. So I know everybody who's listened today has been helped and encouraged by, by you coming on the podcast with us today. So we really appreciate the time.
2: Man, an honor. It's an honor to be with you guys. And I'm grateful for what you are doing. So if I can ever help you or be an advocate for you, man, I'm glad to, to be able to do that. And if I, if I had any last thoughts, it probably would be, um, the struggles that I'm seeing in pastors right now is super real. Um, I preached in a place in um, Gainesville about three weeks ago that um, pre-pandemic was running 350, 400. Uh, when I preached that morning, there were 18 people in the sanctuary, and that included the staff and the worship team. And um, their music minister had died of COVID. Their one of their leading deacons had died. All that within about an eight day period leading into that. So there's man there's just some people in churches that are really beat up. So I guess something that's just really been on my mind too for those that are just really hurting right now and just confused and don't know where to go and man I want to go sell insurance. I'm tired of this local church thing is it's never been more important to number one be in your personal time with the Lord every single day. That 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 stick to itness, that ability to stay with the call that God gave you. And listen, don't, don't walk away from that until God releases you, unless He releases you to do that. So that that spend time with Jesus, prayer in the Word. But a second piece of that that I personally have found um, important is networking, like this D group deal. Um, be with people, be with folks who are going to sharpen you, um, that are going to help you, that are going to challenge you, they're going to keep you accountable. I think we talked about this before. I'm I'm trying to memorize the Philippians chapter four with my D group. Man, I ain't memorizing no whole chapter of Philippians if I wouldn't with those guys. I need that um, encouragement. So that'd probably just be two things that I would encourage folks with as we close out.
1: Man, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Scott. We appreciate your time.
2: You bet. All right.
1: We'll, uh, we'll, uh, We'll see the rest of you next time. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.